Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Writing has power. The words we choose to share, write, and speak can influence and change the narrative of stereotypes we see in Canada, encouraging us to find more accurate depictions and stories of marginalized communities and characters. With World Book Day just around the corner, we wanted to acknowledge storytelling's influential force on culture in Canada. For Anishinaabe author and journalist Wab Rice, words gave him the ability to change the conversation around Indigenous communities and to break stereotypes. Welcome to the conversation piece. Bonjour, Wab Gijik Dijnikas. Makwat no dem. Mwasaksing don Hi, my name is Wab Gijik Rice. I'm a member of the Bear Clan of the Anishinaabek of Wasaksing First Nation, beautiful island on Georgian Bay. And I'm an author and a journalist who currently lives in Sudbury, Ontario, with my wife and two sons. The moment I realized that I could help make change in the world was when I learned that journalism was a viable career option for me and that I could help bring communities together through the written word. And I largely came into journalism by fluke. Growing up in the 1980s and 1990s, I wasn't aware of the many trailblazing Indigenous journalists who were doing very important work at the time. And, you know, back then, Canadian news media was very much doing a very poor job of reflecting the realities of Indigenous issues and communities in this country. Thankfully, we've seen some improvements in recent years, but back then it was way worse and the news media world seemed like an entirely different realm for me that I wasn't sure I even belonged in. But thankfully, I ended up as a journalist for a long time and I'll tell you the story of how I got there. So. Back in the 1990s, I was in high school and I was an honor student all throughout, uh, yet I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a post-secondary journey or even a career after that. You know, I really loved creative writing. I really loved reading. I enjoyed all my history, geography, everything else courses, uh, but there just wasn't anybody steering me in any direction or getting me onto any certain path, despite all the resourceful and admirable Indigenous people who were doing great things for me. I just wasn't shown within the education system how I would go about carving out a career path. So. I was kind of wandering aimlessly through my last uh, couple years of high school, you know, just not knowing what to do. And fortunately, one day I was walking through the halls of Perry Sound High School in my second last year of high school. And I saw a flyer up for uh, the Rotary International Student Exchange program. And it was an information session coming up in the school that week. Uh, so I made sure to make time for going to that session uh, that day. And I went and checked it out and learned all about how the Rotary Student Exchange Program works. Basically, you're selected to go to a foreign country for a year. You spend time with multiple families and you go to school and you learn about the culture and the language and so on. And I thought it sounded like a really cool opportunity because, again, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. 
And I told my parents that I really wanted to do it because it was, uh, you know, an exciting prospect at the time. And they were very supportive. They thought it was a good idea, too. You know, they wanted me to make the most of any opportunity then. And we started this really long application process um, to get into the program. So after a while, I was selected to go to Germany for a year. And this was in 1996 when I was 17 years old. So we had a lot of preparations to make, um, a lot of orientation to do. You know, I had some German to learn. I had a bunch of tapes that uh, I maybe didn't listen to as much as I should have prior to leaving because, you know, I was spending as much time as possible with my friends and family because I wasn't going to see them for a year. Uh, but that was just part of the whole process of getting ready to go on this life-changing experience. And out of the blue, about a month before I was to fly out, I was contacted by the editor of a newspaper called the Nishnabek News, published by the Nishnabek Nation. And it serves, you know, First Nations throughout Central and Northern Ontario. And the editor of the paper at the time was a guy named Dave Dale. And he said that he had heard I was going on this exchange program and that he wasn't familiar with many youth from our region, you know, doing, you know, international opportunities like this. And he wondered if I'd be interested in writing about my experiences while in Germany as an Ishnaba youth uh, for the newspaper. And they would print my articles every month. And I thought that sounded like a great idea. Um, I really loved writing, as I mentioned, and, you know, would be a great opportunity for me to document, you know, my time over there. And he said, every time we print one of your articles, we'll pay you a hundred bucks. And that totally blew my mind because I didn't know that you could actually get paid to write back then. Um, again, despite all the great trailblazing people who were doing important journalism work from Indigenous communities, right? I just didn't see that as, you know, a way for me to channel my own skills and make a career out of it. But here I had this opportunity that really opened my eyes to this wide, wide realm of journalistic storytelling. So about a week after I got there uh, in Germany was my first day of school. So I was essentially thrown into the fire right away. Um, and uh, I was in northern Germany uh, going to school in a little town called Brackham, which is uh, not far from the North Sea. Uh, it's part of the German lowlands, maritime climate, lots of agriculture there, um, very distinct landscape and, and region and uh, society compared to where I was from. And I was just really excited to get it going, although I was very nervous, again, because I didn't know that much German and I wasn't sure what awaited me within the education system, right? So the host sister of the first family I stayed with was also a student at the high school I was be going, going to be going to, also called the gymnasium over there. And she drove me up to school that first day. And um, I was painfully nervous because, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of the German school experience. I didn't really speak German yet. And I didn't know how my own experience as a high school student in Canada could relate or benefit me there, right? So we drove up, she parked, um, we were close to the front door. And as we arrived, I saw all these kids just sort of standing in front of the school, you know, and uh, just milling about. I couldn't really tell what they were doing. And it kind of made me a little more nervous because I knew I was going to have to walk through them to get to uh, to get to class. Uh, so we got out of the car and I closed the door. And as soon as it clicked shut, so we got out of the car and I closed the door. And as soon as the door clicked shut, they all turned around and locked eyes on me. 
all these kids who are very much, you know, Aryan looking, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, saw me, you know, close the door of the car and start walking towards the school. And they were watching me the whole time I was coming up to the front door. And I thought, oh, no, is this some kind of uh, initiation? I didn't read about this in any of the literature that I was given beforehand about going to school in Germany. And uh, I was even more nervous about my arrival there. But as I got closer, I saw that they were all, you know, friendly. They were all smiling and they started walking towards me. And by the time we'd all met up, they began introducing themselves in English to me, saying, you know, you must be Wob. Welcome to our school. Welcome to Germany. We're really happy to have you here. And it was just a really nice way of being welcomed there. And I felt at home right away. And it really helped curb the homesickness that I felt uh, for, you know, home in Canada. And, you know, it was just a nice way to break the ice and to really get started on my whole year that was to come in, in northern Germany. I didn't find out until afterwards, though, that the reason they were all there that day was because they heard that there was an Indian from Canada coming to their school. And they wanted to come and see what the Indian would look like. You know, uh, they really only had a stereotypical image of, of Indians because of pop culture there, right? So a couple of weeks after that, I was hanging out with one of my new buddies. His name was Tim. And he said to me that he had an admission to make. He said, Wob, that day you showed up, we were actually really disappointed when we saw you. And I asked him why. And he said, well, you were wearing a T-shirt and jeans and you had short hair. And we we're sort of expecting like an Indian in a loincloth with a feather in his long hair. Right. And he was half joking and half serious. But it sort of showed me that there were a lot of stereotypes that I'd be coming up against during my whole year in Germany. So we had a laugh about it regardless. And it's one of the things I wrote about for one of my first articles that I faxed back to Canada for the Nishnabek News. And it was really enlightening for me and really empowering for me to reflect on those differences and to be able to share them, you know, in the written form. And I knew that I had a lot to do in terms of busting myths about our people there um, and that there was a lot to do back in Canada at the same time. So when the Nishnabek News printed my first article, they put the address of the host family I was staying with at the bottom. And a couple of weeks after it first ran, I started getting letters from people, uh, non-Indigenous and Indigenous people in Canada who had read that story and were very encouraged by my presence there in Germany and the stuff I was doing to raise awareness of Indigenous issues and realities. And for me, it was really the moment that I knew that change could happen through the written word, that journalism was a viable platform for people like me to share the experiences of others, to educate Canadians especially, because there was a huge awareness gap then. It continues today, but then there was a lot more work to be done because even though I was met with genuine enthusiasm in Germany, my peers there really wanted to know about me and my culture and they were really happy to do so. I recalled my time growing up in the Perry Sound area, which is a town surrounded by five First Nations, and there just wasn't that same level of enthusiasm. And although it was a little disheartening to consider at first, it really inspired me to do the work a lot harder, um, to come home and to tell people stories through journalism and raise awareness and educate Canadians on the gaps that resulted because of the education system and because of the neglect of mainstream media in general. So I got home, had one year of high school to do. Then I applied to Ryerson University's journalism program. 
And that's where I ended up graduating from university in 2002 and ended up going on a very long and, you know, beneficial career, mostly at the CBC. And throughout that time, you know, I've made it my life's work to share Indigenous realities uh, in journalism, in the written word, in broadcasting, and so on. And it's what I want to continue to do for the rest of my life. So that moment of learning the power of the written word and the opportunities through journalism for our people to share their realities is what made me realize that real change could happen in this world. And as a result, I'm hopeful for the future, and I will continue to do this work until the end. Wah Bryce spoke at the Walrus Talks at Home at the Broadbent Institute's 2020 Progress Gala in November. And he's just one of the over 800 fantastic Canadians who have walked, wheeled, and webcammed onto a stage at the Walrus Talks. Care to join us? Coming up next is the Walrus Leadership Forum on Strengthening Canadian Journalism on May 11th. Register at thewalrus.ca slash events for a front row seat from the comfort of your own home. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.